On this episode of Complicated Conversations, we welcome Cheska Major. Cheska is a novelist and screenwriter. She has written 14 novels under different names, and her books have been published in more than 10 countries. She has been nominated for the RNA's Romantic Comedy Award, HWA's Gold Crown, and the CWA Gold Dagger Award. She currently has TV shows in development with Monumental Television, Rough Cut, Tickled Pink, Sky Studios, and the BBC. Her most recent novel, Maybe Next Time, is out now. And I loved this book so much. (laughs) We're going to get into why and what I particularly am in awe of your ability to do. But welcome to Pop Fiction Women, Cheska. Thank you so much for having me on. So kind of you. Tell our listeners just a little bit about Maybe Next Time. So Maybe Next Time is a part romance, part mystery, I hope, and it's very much a time loop novel. So it's about a very stressed working mother. She's a literary agent. She works in the publishing industry in London. And it's basically about a normal Monday and all the stresses that come with it. Uh, A work drama kicking off, a son who looks a little bit out of place, even the dog's quiet, and her husband's in a really bad mood with her. And at the end of the day, an enormous catastrophe happens, and she wakes up the next morning, and it's that day again. And she's realising, you know, why why she's stuck in this time loop, what's happening, how can she stop it, and how can she basically save her family and save her husband? I love that you even gave the dog, you gave the dog (laughs) a role. (laughs) Love that. Yes, exactly. So let's start with Emma. Very relatable character for me. As you said, the stressed out mother, a lot on her plate. But she's also fallen into this pattern of sort of saying yes without taking a hard look at her priorities and whether they line up. Also, again, very relatable. So what inspired you to write Emma? And were there any challenges you faced when writing her? Yes. So as much as she is a mother, I do think you could perhaps remove that aspect of her for all women, because I do think women, we are guilty of taking on all those caring roles. So be it the good daughter or the good friend or the lovely aunt or the whatever it is, I do think we're very quick to be the emotional support for people and to just take on all those extra jobs, maybe that build up and up and up and and create, you know, an enormous amount of admin and stress. And also just emotional pull as well. And I think she is just really struggling to balance being all those things, being a partner, being a mother, being a colleague, being a friend, being a daughter, being a you know sister-in-law. And I think she's definitely lost what her priorities should be. And so this day massively focuses her mind on what's truly important and who she truly cares about and those parts of her life that she is wasting her time. And I think it was definitely for me, this was born out of I, I am a mother of very young children and when I wrote this they were I had three under three because I had twins Ooh. oh and my goodness I, my partner had just gone sliding down the list of priorities you know I chose to build my life with this person and yet he was the one that I was just chucking baby wipes at and just going <laughs> out the door and you look after the kids I'll do this I'm on a zoom you know whatever it was and for me, it was COVID and, and being at home and, and sort of trying to work in the evenings around with no childcare and him going out because he's a vet. And just basically, I think it was a cry for help. It was just yeah, a yeah. sort of, I know I need this focus back in my own life. And I looked around at the women in my life who I felt were in very similar positions. Even if they weren't mothers, I still felt they were doing an enormous amount for others. And just wondering whether we can stop and say, is everything relevant? Is everything important? Um, And can I get some balance into my life? 
Yeah, because the immediate answer is always, yes, of course it's important. It's on my plate. It's something I've committed to. It's something I've been doing for X amount of time. The immediate answer is always, yes, it's important. But the focus you're talking about of repeating the day and kind of realizing what is important and how important is this? And is also what this, who gives this back book really and highlights. Worthy of it, you know, because there are some people in her life that obviously we look at and we know immediately as readers, we're like, oh, they're hideous and she needs to get out yeah. of there. And she's wasting her time and, and also just the wasting of time, you know, and you can see her yeah. physically on her phone wasting time with strangers and I'm terribly guilty of that. So it's that, it's definitely going, what is important and how can you make room for it? Yes, yes. Well, as you're talking about her partner, I love Dan in this novel so much. And his letters got better with every year. I especially loved the ones where Emma's pregnant and then they have an infant. And it's just really challenging time. And Dan just kind of beautifully talks about it in a way that feels relatable to many parents. That tough transition is especially a, a really tricky time. And he's taking the time to write these letters and remember these things about their relationship so that it doesn't all go sliding away. Tell us about Dan and what inspired him and and about the decision to introduce him through these letters as opposed to a, a POV for himself. Yeah, so Dan you know, is, is such an important part of the book and I really wanted the reader to have a real look at a relationship that was a real relationship. It wasn't a rose-tinted first love. You know, there is a meet-cute, obviously, the first letter is when they met and their relationship morphs and changes all over those years that they're together and in the letters and it was really important for me to Dan to have his own lows as well so that we can see Emma being a good partner and being supportive to him when he is down and how that can ebb and flow in a relationship that sometimes it is a little bit more about one person than the other because it has to be because that person is struggling so you set aside your own stuff and say okay I think they win <laughs> I think I have to be you know I have to step up uh, and I think, Dan, it was, yeah, that was very important that it felt real and that you invested in, in them as a couple, but also that Dan has lived a very full life with Emma and really knows her. So on this day, you know, years later, when she's missed their anniversary for the second year in a row, and he's just so fed up with her lack of focus and energy on him and the family that we really are on his side in that respect and absolutely praying that Emma you know wakes up and, and looks around and, and sees him he was just a really important character to write and I decided that I, I really wanted the reader to go on the journey of the love story with them so it felt that the way to introduce Dan was through that so he writes these long anniversary letters every year which she also writes but we only I think see one of hers and also the incident that really angers him in the first chapter where she's forgotten again and to him and her they used to be really important letters where they could not only chart what had happened to them in the year they were together but also to be honest with each other and to speak some truths that perhaps just check in with their relationship and yeah. the fact that she in his mind couldn't even be bothered to do that said yeah. everything about where she was at in the relationship mm -hmm. and that really hurt him. Kate, I love Kate knows that I don't, yeah. I, I should probably do a, a letter. This is so sweet and nice, but yeah. I do like check-ins, like, yeah. <laughs> like, like a annual review 
of love marriage. marriage. <laughs> so, yes. Performance related. I like that. Yes. <laughs> she so, does a 360 yes. review. No, yeah, that's exactly what I was just going to say, Corinne. Like, I loved the letters. I Like I said, they're beautifully written and it's really important to, for, to see their relationship. But it's also, you know, he calls her out in them. They are, they're very honest and he's, they're not just these flowery love letters, but because he cares. So to me, they are, of course, they are love letters because they show how much he cares but it's a great idea too, is what I was thinking yeah. after reading it. Yes. Like, people should do this. Like, yeah. I think I had a reader yes. get in touch. He said she wrote her partner a letter after the book. It was really sweet. Yeah. Oh, so he was, say, he was leaving her to go abroad and he left it on her on her pillow. And yeah, so he sent a letter. Anyway, it was very sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So family plays a really big role in this book. And, you know, Emma is estranged from her parents. Also, Emma and Dan are both very close to his sister, Hattie. But it's very clear that family is important to Emma. But sometimes when things are sort of fundamental to your identity, you can lose sight of it, as we've been talking about, or forget to make time for it or care for it um, in the way you want to. Because it's hard, right, for all the reasons we've been talking about, especially for working moms. So, you know, why did you want to explore this idea of family and, and, and again, these priorities around that? Yeah, because it goes beyond just the couple. It goes, yeah. it's, the whole, it's more of the family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from a, a writerly point of view, it, I write thrillers and it was important to me to have sort of mysterious subplots going on. And the obvious things were to introduce sort of secrets in the lives of obviously her two children. So from a, and the dog. <laughs> so from a plot point of view, I hope people are, you know, wondering what's going on with you know, her child. Why, why is her son sad? Why is the dog whining? Um, you know, from, I really enjoyed playing with those threads and trying to, you know, put the red herrings in and do the reveals as the day goes by because as a you know it's a time loop novel it's a groundhog day book and they can become very repetitive and frankly boring so i think you really need mystery and reasons to turn the page and you know i hope that was largely what you know the family provided from a sort of drama point of view um but yeah for me it was definitely family it, it's so important she's estranged from her own family because even though she knows that she wants to be completely a different type of parent she hasn't had that modelled well in her own life. And so, you know, there are moments where even though she's doing all the right things and saying all the right things, she is checking out a, a little bit and doing other things. And it, it's, it makes less of an impact on her, I think, because she hasn't had that kind of love and support in her own life. So she's definitely, I like the idea of us all reflecting as we get older on the relationships we do have, mm -hmm. you know, as children. You know, we look back when we have our children and think about how we were parented and of course, inevitably think, oh, that was good, or that wasn't so good, or maybe I'll yeah. change that and mess them up in different ways. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I think you can't avoid it. You know, I'm, I'm early 40s and Emma's early 40s. And I think, you know, you play a role in, in your own family, of course, and, and in other people's. And it just, for me, it was just central to the book that she had this very full life and these responsibilities. But also, yeah, they had mystery in them as well. And, and, yeah. and that they were their own people, you know, the children are growing up and doing they're at the stage where they're pulling away and having their own secrets and that's yeah. a really fascinating you know, childhood yes. where your children start to you know pull away from you yeah and yeah. it's normal and it has yeah. there has to be some allowance for that but then when is it you know when do you know when it's something you need to be involved yeah in absolutely yeah giving them to. that freedom but trusting they're going to come to you and when they don't you know then what that's you... exactly what happens with one of her children that just doesn't feel she yeah. can share yeah mm -hmm. yeah so you've already mentioned that this is a Groundhog Day novel, a time loop, and 
it can be really challenging to make that interesting over 300 pages, <laughs> but you were wildly successful in making it very fresh. You have Emma kind of take a different tact each day to different results, ha- focus on a different person. How did you plot this? Did you do it all <laughs> beforehand? Did you, you know, you know, add it in? Do you do 20 drafts? How does, how did that work for you? And how do you know, like things like the letters, I mean, I I could hear someone saying this slows the narrative drive and it actually doesn't. It increases the narrative drive. I want to know what happened to this couple. What's going on to them? So how do you balance all of that and work that out? Yes. So the letters were written separately, um, almost as their own, to have their own shape. But I knew that there were certain moments where if we'd had a frantic scene, then I was allowed a slightly slower letter. And particularly what I really want to do with the letters, of course, is put them bang in the middle of reveals. So there's one particular reveal where there's a letter and it must really annoy the reader. (laughs) They want to know. And I stick a letter, which they have to read. And then, of course, the reveal comes after that letter, which is you know just the classic annoying writer trait. But yeah, the plotting was extensive. I don't think I could have written this book a few books ago. It was very important that, like, the, like you say, the days had different flavours. So there's a one, my favourite day where she goes really bonkers and just dresses like a mad fairy and just tells everyone yeah. where to go and is totally selfish in her approach to everything and does all the things that you desperately want to do in your own life sometimes like throw the drink over someone and tell them exactly what you think and you know just shout and rave and and be mad (laughs) so I really loved that day with no consequence yes no consequences just knowing you're going to wake up the next day and no one will remember so obviously there were really fun really fun moments in the book like that but also trying to just as a yeah introduce secrets that you can then partially reveal or send the reader a different way and then shift the focus But yeah, it was insane. I basically did a massive chapter outline. I knew it was going to be complicated when the first three chapters took, I think they were about nine or 12 pages long. And because I had to do, and I remember doing minutes. So I was like, oh, at 310, she'll get back. So that means that on all the days, if someone returns home at 315, they always have to return then. Because unless she's changed their day up to that point, their day is the same in my mind. So that was the most challenging thing was I was like, oh yeah, he's always going to come into the kitchen at that time. So either she needs to not be there or, you know, whatever it was. So I found that crazy that all the characters were tracked throughout the day, literally down to the last minute. Even Um, when we're not with them, right? Yeah. Wow. This hurts my head. Where, you know, it was just, that was insane. So yeah, there were moments like that where I was like, wow, this is difficult. And I, you know, the copy editor, I think, had fun. (laughs) I had, I think that was good because the copy editor, I think I only had, I think one or two things. So I think I had managed to keep a handle on it. Um, Wow. Yeah, it was by a mile the most complicated plot. And actually I'm doing one now, which I just don't know why I haven't learned my lesson because I'm doing another time hop. (laughs) It's just, I'm like, oh, I've been here before. (laughs) I'm writing. You're in your own time loop. Like, oh, it's great. It's good for you. (laughs) I'm glad you don't because you do it so well and it's, it seems effortless. I'll tell you. Yeah. As a writer, (laughs) I am very envious. So please keep pushing yourself (laughs) for that. Yeah. Well, it seems you're always pushing yourself. As we've read in your bio, there's how many books you've written in different genres under different names. How does that work for you? I mean, do you write whatever comes to you and figure out what to do with it later? Or do you have a favorite genre? Tell us. 
I think I do have a favourite genre. It is odd. I am unusual because not only do I write, I do write very different things. They do, they are, they do land in the two parts of my personality. So I used to be a live TV presenter on bingo television and shopping TV, but I've also been a history teacher at secondary school. And I've always had a kind of playful pantomime type personality, but I've also had quite a sensible history teaching job. And weirdly, the two writing strands were born out of that so I started out writing romantic comedies and I loved them and then I became history teacher and I wrote something about a tragic time in history that got the deal and then and then of course the rom-coms because I'd written so many and got better at them that they finally got a deal and so I came up with two different names for the two different types of books and then discovered that I really enjoyed flipping from oh let's be really fun and you know, and talk about love and relationships and all of that, and then go over to this side of my personality and do more of the book club stuff and the history merged into thrillers, which merged into sort of more like gothic-y horror things. And so weirdly now <laughs> I write time loop fantastical romances and really quite frightening horror. <laughs> so it's it's a bit oh, of it is a bit off, but it sort of works. And weirdly you bring you bring different skills to the different genres. Mm -hmm. And I think I've got better now. But I love my favorite genre is fantastical speculative fiction because you know you can do anything so I've just written a body swap and this obviously was a groundhog and now I'm doing a type hop and I love making up rules for these you know these things where you can break the rules mm -hmm. and, and I am really enjoying that because it's part mystery but also you know loads of the, yeah. the fun stuff, the romance and the humor that I really enjoy so god your enthusiasm is I, I have like butterflies in my stomach. I'm so oh. excited. I'm like, yes, I love all of this. It's so, I also feel uh, like this is like so speaking to you, Corinne. Like I this know, could yes. be you in all these different like <laughs> yeah. genres. Sorry. Yeah, it's I true. just, it's true. yes. Yeah. It does feel like a break as well. People are always like, oh, you're always writing. But you do feel, don't you, when you switch, it, it does feel like you've rested. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm sick of scaring myself. Oh, I'm going to go write that love. And it's that energy. So I, I mean, I obviously am going to try and rest a bit more, but but it is, it is really fun. It does feel fresh when you come at it from the other mm -hmm. genre. Love that. I highly you recommend that you're out there. Love it. Yeah. Are you dying to know her sign now, Corinne? I mean, oh, of course I am. I know yes. we're not, but I, we don't have yes. to jump to this, but I just no. feel like given your description. I'm, I'm going to disappoint you because are you going to think I'm Gemini and I'm not? I see. I was going to say, I, I think said, it's sun and moon oh, because I mm -hmm. am Aries sun and a Capricorn moon. So Aries, free-spirited, let's do it, jump in, don't think mm -hmm. about it. And then Capricorn is so grounded and disciplined. So I have those two sides of myself, but they are not the twins. It's just two sides mm -hmm. of myself, my son uh -huh. and moon. Well, so. I'm Scorpio and Leo, so I don't know what that means. Oh, no, that I'm does track. <laughs> yes, though you are... That totally tracks. The horror is the Scorpio, is the Leo right? is okay. the love. Yes. Okay. Yes. 100% tracks. Yes. 100%. Because that's the oh, pumpkin. That. You have contradictions. So you don't, yeah. I kind of like, it's too obviously a Gemini. So there, that was exactly what I was going to say. It either has to be. I agree. But there's a conflict. And they're a little more yes. brooding. You're not brooding. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. The Leo Scorpio. That is a great combo. I'm a Leo, so you know, but I'm just like Leo times a million, so I don't have this interesting conflict. But the dichotomy. There's yeah, no the dichotomy. That's how you run a oh, podcast. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I want to talk about 
the film rights for this book yeah. have been yes. acquired by Apple Studios, developed by Reese Witherspoon's Hellish Sunshine. You are executive producing. I think this would be an absolutely fantastic movie and or, or limited series, whatever it is. But yep. is this a dream come true for you? I mean, it's when you say it, I'm like, no, that hasn't happened. That's happened to someone else. Like, no. it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah you saw the headline, like, Cheska Majors, maybe next yeah, time. I know, I read it and I was like, no. <laughs> it's just, I mean, what a company, you know, what two companies. Yeah. You just, yeah. the guys that are absolutely smashing all projects out of the park, you know, with these incredible films and shows, you know, where the Cordacing and Daisy Jones and the Six and, oh, it's just been amazing. And then you've got, you know, Apple who are also just making... I mean, my favorite shows at the moment. It's just, yeah, it's incredible. So, yeah, it's so exciting. And I always saw this as a movie. So it's great that they've seen it as a movie as well. It just feels like it has the shape of it and the scale of it. So, yeah, I'm so excited to see, you know, where it goes and when we're going to be doing casting. And, yeah. and what, what it will be your involvement? So, yeah, so I'm exec producing on it. We've literally just attached, I don't think I can name names, but we've just attached a screenwriter, I think. So that's all good. And yeah, we'll be, you know, obviously waiting on a script and then hopefully you know, getting going. That's fantastic. Yeah, wow. I definitely see this as a perfect movie. I love it. Yeah, good. Yeah, well, I think, I hope women everywhere will be nodding and, you know, seeing themselves. In oh, it. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. We can all relate to Emma. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. That's become like the motto of the book, actually, is anyone involved in it, we always go, we're all Emma. <laughs> we're all Emma. Yeah, we mm-hmm. are. We are all Emma. And and part of that is society, just the expectations that we're born right into. So yes. it's not always a choice, It's but we do all feel like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't want to give anything away about the book, but I wanted to ask you if you believe in fate And I want to ask, do you think that there's anything that we can do to change the inevitable? And it's funny because until I read this book, I had always, I hadn't even known that I had thought of, you didn't, you wouldn't want to change the inevitable. I always just assumed it would be good. But Emma is presented with something that she wants to change. And can she? And... I don't want to talk about that, but I want to talk about in general, like, what are your thoughts? And were you trying to work something out with that in this book? (laughs) I think I was definitely looking at how we respond to things in our life. And I think that's what you can change is your reaction to events that are out of your control and people's reactions that are out of control and, and, and other people's behaviors that are out of your control. And it's definitely something I grapple with as a mother of children and that feeling when you watch your child and something happens and you want to intervene and it's just horrible and you sort of you know watch either you know them getting upset or them upsetting someone else and I think you know part of me is is trying to learn about how to respond to things and change my own reaction to things I can control and trying to teach that to my children and say you can't you can't control everything all you can do is control how you respond to things and slowing down and always assuming that you know, it's, it sounds sort of, you know, quite cheesy, but you only have today. It's that feeling of, you know, you have this moment. So don't, you know, don't wish it away and don't you know, look around basically and, and try, try to pause and take it in and think, okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, a, it was a, it was definitely that it was definitely a looking at uh, life passing you by and can you stop life passing you by? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you made it challenging for Emma to do that. She doesn't want to stop and relish. She's having a, a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. having a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before you go, we always ask our authors sort of what are you loving? Any books, movies, TV shows, podcasts? What are you kind of obsessed with? I mean, like the rest of the world, I'm obviously obsessed with succession and like the week can't go yes. quick enough. I really am wishing time away. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. Next <laughs> Ted Lasso is just my absolute favourite at the moment. I'm reading the most wonderful, strange Sally Diamond by Liz Nugent, <gasps> yes, which yes. is I just yeah. got a, I just got a copy of that. Oh my goodness! Like the first page, you're just in. I mean, the first sentence, you're in. Yes. Like this is great, and it is just one of those. And I hate the phrase because it's so overused, but it truly is unputable, downable. I, I'm slightly, you know, annoyed that I have to work today because I just want to read it. <laughs> And it's lovely when you look forward to the evening. And I just know how good it is because I don't want to watch a film. I want to read her book. Yeah. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. that's at the moment. But I've read, yeah, I mean, I always, I do this classic thing. I forget everything, of course, that I've just read. Oh, yeah. Um, Me too. I, I've read a brilliant new book by Kirsty Greenwood, who's one of my favourite rom-com authors. And she's got something actually going out on submission, but I've read that and it's just so good. But I mm-hmm. it's reminds me to reread all her backlist because she just makes yeah. me laugh like no one else. Um, I love that. Is big sexy love, which has got a great title. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. yeah rom coms that are heavy on the calm are calm, just, yeah. Are the comedy, the funny parts are just fantastic. It's, they are, and they're rare. Actually, you know, they're they they are hundred percent. You know, to really truly make you lose, you know, and probably Laugh. lose and get the giggles in public is is a really amazing mm-hmm. thing to do. And she does it in spades. So yeah. Yes. yeah. I said that I remembered Avari McFarland. I was like, I was actually laughing oh, out loud. Incredible. And you forget, you forget that the rom com, the comedy part is hard to do. Mm-hmm. And it is. I've got her and latest yeah. as well. I think her latest is out this month, isn't it? Yeah, is it I think so. Oh, oh, I think so. it's. Yeah, is it in the out in the U.S. Oh, here? It might be in the U.K., but yeah, yeah. I think yeah, maybe we're a little different. bit later, maybe August, but maybe not. She's fantastic. She's a we have go to as well, like Avari yes. McFarland yeah. with mate. Yeah, she's got the lols. So funny. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, Cheska, thank you so much again for taking time to chat with us. I love this book. Can't wait to so see it good. as a movie. But but until then, I will read and reread this. It's it's a go-to for me. So thank, thank you. you. That's so kind. It was so lovely to see you both. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank, thank you. you.